This is the Ultimate Guide to Being a Birth Partner, the podcast for anyone supporting a pregnant woman to achieve her dream birth. I'm Sally Ann Beresford, a doula, author and antenatal teacher, and throughout these episodes I will be sharing with you tried and tested tips that help you to ensure that any birth you attend is a positive experience. Today, I am chatting with the lovely Emma Armstrong, who describes herself as a visual educator. I can't wait to find out more. So hello, Emma. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yes. So hi, everyone. I'm Emma, aka The Naked Doula. Um, And yes, I'm a visual educator. I'm an illustrator um, and a mum as well. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to talking to you today. So can you describe what you do and how you and how you came up with the idea of what you do? Oh. <laughs> well, it's a long story. So I've always, always been interested in um, birth, in the sciences, uh, biology, anatomy, physiology, always interested. And in fact, so much so that I wanted to uh, be a midwife. But... I tried to sort of get onto the ladder of going there and I didn't have um, the A-levels to go straight to uni. So I would have to do an access course. Every time I tried to do that, I had to stop because of money issues. So I never, ever got there. So throughout my life, I really was just, you know, doing a lot of job roles, which included marketing and just the general stuff. But really glad I did that because I've got a lot of life skills and I've been to a lot of places all over the world, which is amazing. But about three years ago, my mum was actually diagnosed with cancer and she had um, colorectal cancer. They didn't know what it was at first because it just spread so much and we didn't even know about it. And throughout that time, she was getting treatment. She was literally, I don't know how she was doing this, but she was getting chemo and she was still doing park runs. And she was like, you know, like a superwoman. Um, And she's always been very, a very positive, you know, strong woman. We've had a very similar uh, sort of personalities and very strong relationship. And then I got pregnant and she was literally like just as excited as I was. I didn't, I didn't know whether I was going to have children. I had this thing that I didn't know if I could have children. Um, it took me about a year to conceive after um, a miscarriage. And we was both excited. And, you know, we sort of had this thing in our minds that she was going to get through this, um, this obviously horrible disease. So I was pregnant. And I was like, oh, well, right, okay, well, what do I do? I'm one of these people I really like to have. I like to have lots of information. I like to, you know, find out how I'm a solution finder. Always been a solution finder. I want to know the best solution. So I thought, right, I want to know the best way that I'm going to do this. How is how's my body work? What have I got to do? What can I do to prepare myself? Uh, so I started doing hypnobirthing. Started reading Sophie Fletcher's book, Mindful Hypnobirthing. 
But I ended up actually spending most of my pregnancy in hospital with my mom. And to be honest, even though I was practicing hypnobirthing at home and trying to, you know, continue with a um, calm, positive mindset, I was actually spending most of my time trying to be, I was actually doodling my mom, funnily enough. I was doodling my mom through the, the steps of um, her having this disease. And at around uh, 24 weeks, she, she felt really poorly and they were trying to do a lot of things to help her. And by this point, I think she was, I think she just had, mentally she hadn't had enough, but her body had just had enough. Then it was around around 26 weeks of pregnancy and like within a couple of days just became unresponsive. And it was really hard because this was my first child. We'd always spoken about this. She was going to be my, you know, birth partner. And I didn't believe that I could possibly give birth without her because she literally was like everything to me. She was like my best friend. We had a bit of a sixth sense, you know, that kind of like, I know when she's going to call and she knows when I'm going to call. And um, yeah, that particular day, I had like 10 minutes with her and, I, and she, like I say, she was unresponsive, but I knew she could hear me. And I said, right, mom, you need to just let go now because I'm going to be able to birth this baby and I, I can do it without you. It's fine. You just need to, you know, because I felt like, she was trying to hold on mentally. So, yeah, I said my sort of goodbye, if you like, and um, leant over, gave her a kiss. And I felt like she she knew because it was almost like she was trying to communicate with me, you know. And from that point, it was really fucking hard because I had just lost my mom. I was 26 weeks pregnant. And, you know, I didn't know what the hell I was going to do, to be honest. And I spent about two weeks thinking, shit, like what? I don't know what I'm going to do. So anyway, from from that point onwards, I really got quite obsessed about pregnancy and birth. Like to the point, like really just delved in. And then I started like, um, at that point, I'd started helping other pregnant people, um, you know, and sharing information and putting things on stories and writing blogs. And, and it was actually at that point, it, it was called Charlie's Legacy. And it was because Charlie, who's my son, she actually named him in hospital. She said, oh, I had a dream and his name was Charlie and he was like this. And I was like, oh, my God, that's going to stick now. So after that point, I carried on doing what I was doing. Um, and I thought, I'm not going to be able to do this. I, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this. Reached out to Sophie Fletcher, who actually only lives down the road in uh, not too far away from me, which was really handy. And she said, listen, let me let me be your doula. Let me come and help you. So Sophie ended up being my doula. I was practicing my hypnobirthing. I was really set on my birth. Um I was told my baby was head down and he was in optimal position. I was like, yes, this is great. Went for a private scan, for 4D scan, because I just was one of those, you know, I wanted to see what he looked like. Um, and it's funny how things change because, do you know, if I had a baby again, I probably wouldn't have hardly any scans at all. But that's a, a, a story for another time. 
So I went to this body scan and he was his head was right stuck up in my ribs. And his bum was right down and he was big. Yeah, he was breaching, he was big. And um, and they said, oh, I'd only have a six pound baby. So then I had the choice of what do I do now? Do I, you know, I tried uh, lots of different things. I was doing spinning babies exercises, but he just wasn't going to move. His head was, was stuck and I chose not to have an ECV. And yeah, they said, well, you know, what do you want to do? Again, if I could go back, I would have a vaginal breach birth a hundred, hundred times over. However, at this point, I didn't know a lot about vaginal breach. And, you know, this was the start of my journey, if you like. So I opted for a caesarean. It was probably one of the most euphoric experiences of my life. And I always say this to people, just because it was a caesarean section doesn't mean you can't do one million things to make that caesarean section actually a million times better than it could be if you just did nothing. So I hit my birth throughout the, the whole time, the whole birth experience. I asked, you know, for no talking. I had dimmed lighting. I had music. I had my mom's handprints and her, her photo with me. Um, you know, and I always say this to people as well, being able to do hypnobirthing techniques whilst you're having a, a cesarean actually will help in so many ways. It helps with, you know, um, blood loss. It helps with how the procedure goes. It, imagine if you're fighting against it. I mean, we know that the uterus, you know, needs to have a good time. Like we need to give it a break when we're giving birth. It's the same with a section. If we get a chance up, then it's going to be, you know, it's going to be pumping, isn't it? You know, the, the blood flow is going to be there. So, yeah, had the most euphoric experience of my life and he was handed to me and he was calm and it was beautiful and I was very much um, hands off. I actually asked for a lotus birth as well. So she she helped me birth him with my placenta. I sort of had the baby and the student midwife. She was great. She was holding my uh, little box with my placenta in. And yeah, everything was delayed. Everything I had, I waited for white for, um, I didn't do the whole lotus birth where I took the placenta home, but we waited for white then before cutting the cord and delayed everything. And he was a beautiful seven pound seven baby. And it was, yeah, it was amazing. He latched on more or less straight away, which is, I think is down again to oxytocin levels and, and saying, very calm and having a, a, a good uh, positive birth experience and also having that sort of no one else touch him and just on me so yeah so he was born and from that point it was it was a very bumpy ride but really I mean I don't know how physically and mentally I, I did it but we didn't have anyone really to help lockdown was just starting as I was getting up and out so I was literally on my own with my baby and he had multi he still has multiple allergies and it was really 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 hard like really hard like I probably cried a lot and I struggled a lot and it was the loneliest time loneliest time of my life like I can't even begin to say and actually, as, as a mother, 
I think we all feel this when we first have a baby, even if we do have lots of people around us, because it's a it's a transition into this new life and it's very different. And um, yeah, it was it was very tough. But I had made a promise to my mum that, you know, I was going to sort of, I don't know, just live life to the fullest and try and inspire as many people and help as many people as possible throughout my my life. I've always been that kind of person. I've just never been able to implement it. And it's almost like I was born into motherhood and I found myself through the shit. If if that makes sense, I sort of like went through the shit of of mom, then got through this birth experience, then was fighting through the shit of motherhood. And I just I thought, oh my God, I just want to, I want to do this. And I feel like I found my calling. And I've never, I've been one of these people where, and some people be able to relate to this. I feel like I've never fitted in. And it wasn't until I realized that I'm meant to be teaching and I'm meant to be getting a message out there that for the first time I did fit in. So the naked doula kind of side of things, literally as soon as Charlie was born and probably about three months in, I started training for my hypnobirthing um, practitioner certification. I got on with the doula course with Nurturing Birth, who I just love. And I love Sophie Bridgestock. And I was doing this in between Charlie sleeping, sometimes whilst he was breastfeeding. I, like I didn't have anyone else. And even now I still do bedtime because he's, he's still breastfed and we co-sleep. We actually bed share. So all of my training and all of the stuff that I've done, I don't know how, I've done it with my baby, basically. And the whole vibe and the whole sort of feeling of the naked doula took me about three months before I wanted to sort of put anything out there on social media. Because to be quite honest with you, the birthing world was just very plain and very, I just felt like there was they needed to be an oomph. There needed to be a, a boost or something. They need to be. They needed to be some color and some realness, and to relate to people because it's all well and good having, you know, things out there that's very like you know pastel colors and hypnobirthing in a sense of you know think about your vagina opening up like a flower. Well, that's all good, but not everyone's going to relate to that. You know, you're only targeting a certain uh, person. When there's actually so many people out there that will want to see this information, want to see, want to be educated so they can make their choices without having to be into that sort of thing. So the Naked Doula was born. So how did you come up with the name? So I, uh, before, before that, I actually was sort of documenting my life on a personal Instagram page, which was quite, which was growing a lot. And I would post a lot about body positivity. Uh, so I would just put it out there, my roles and stretch marks and motherhood uh, in its rawest form, if you like. And I've always been the sort of, and I'm not ashamed to say this, but when I was younger and, you know, I'd go out with the, with the girls or go out and night out, I'd always be the one flashing my bum. Why? I don't know. I'd just be, I'm just, I'd just be that person, you know, or sharing the toilet cubicle with, you know, five other girls, just no, no shame. And 
not just that for me naked I mean that was the sort of jokey side of it but naked for me is about rawness and realness and honesty and truth and transparency so that's sort of where it came together really and I just wanted to be able to take information that's out there that is accessible but make it simple and make it easy to understand and just use my way of educating to help the masses that's all that's all I want to be able to achieve is to if I can make a difference to one person's birth experience today then you know not from me telling them what to do but from them seeing some some kind of information that I may have put out there that's going to help empower them to make a decision or make a choice or or change something or go in there feeling better about themselves then my job's done yeah so there's so much that you've just shared with us it's it's amazing because there are going to be so many people out there who will have experienced a similar situation to you firstly the loss of your mum when you're pregnant, it's very difficult to grieve when you're pregnant, um, being in a situation Mm -hmm. where you are, you know, your hormones are in a very different place than, you know, so when you gave birth, you would then have had to process your grief. There's like a whole nother element to having had the baby the baby's now out and you almost have to start the grieving process again so there was a a lot of stuff going on for you I'm sure then being really inspired by the support that you received from your hypnobirthing teacher and doula which sounds amazing what a gift to have managed to find someone so brilliant to support you yes process and so then deciding, well, actually, this is this is a clear sign. This is what I need to be doing, going out and doing yeah. your own training um, and then coming up with this concept, which the naked doula is, is like you say, it's, it's coloring in the landscape of birth. It's bringing about fresh, a fresh way of l- looking at the information that's out there. So, you know, you're saying things, the same things, but you're saying them in a way that no one else has said them before. You know, you're, you know, we yeah. all say, um, relax your jaw, relax your pelvic floor, soften your, you know, all of these softly, softly words. And your version is, do you want to floppy say? face, floppy fanny? Floppy face, floppy Which, do you know, do you, do you know what? It's funny because, and let's clear some things up here because. You know, floppy face, floppy fanny. Originally, that um, quote came from Ina May Gaskin. Right. But what she was referring to in her book is the bomb, because obviously being American, it's... and they talk about she talks about the sphincter law. Yeah. Which is you know very much about the 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 bomb hole and the the cervix be uh, cervix being a sphincter. Yeah. So, but obviously in the UK. One of the words that people use for a vagina is a fanny. Uh, you know, so I wanted to implement that in that way. But I wanted to clear that up because some people are like, that's Ina May Gaskin's quote. And I'm like, yeah, I will tell you. I got I got that information from Ina May Gaskin's book. You know, I really love Ina May's work. But 
you know, let's use it in a way that's going to stick in people's minds. Exactly. Relating to their pelvic floor and their vagina. And my gosh, it works like a fucking dream. It's honestly like the mantra. If anyone just goes into labor and just has that mantra in their mind, it's going to make such a difference. And it does. It does. Absolutely. It's brilliant. It really does work. And I think that, you know, having discovered your Instagram page and seeing the images, the really strong, bold images that you put out with very clear messages, using great words that really do stick. And, you know, a lot of language, swear words, I love a good swear. So for me, seeing these big, you know, bold letters um, in bright colours um, popping out of each image that just are so simple, you know, it makes a huge difference. And if anyone is listening and they haven't already followed The Naked Doula, go and follow Emma because you will see on a consistent basis these messages that pregnant people uh, can take to their birth. You you sell flashcards that will help you to remember exactly what you need to do on the day of your birth. So, you know, they're absolutely brilliant. But where did the graphic side come from? Because you really have, you know, made such an impact with your visual work. Yeah, do you know what? It's such such a strange one. And this literally came out of nowhere because I've always loved art. I've always been into art. I'm a very creative person. I danced for most of my life. Like creativity is just in me. Um, And at first I was just sort of, you, you know, utilizing my graphic sort of skills from previous jobs and putting things together and then I I started drawing one day on my iPad and that was it literally and I started just because how I see ideas is literally as a visual in my mind so it's like my fanny Miss Fanny she's like she's super famous Miss Fanny is and she was just an like a visual I had one day I was sitting down and I thought I really want to do a post about this and but I need I need I need a vagina you know I need a vulva and a, and a vagina and um I just started drawing it and then put some eyes on her and some arms and some legs and voila and literally that's just what happens I just draw and I just can't believe sometimes it's really strange to look back at my work and to look back at like my flashcards and think, oh, my God, I drew that. You know, oh, my God, I drew that. So and now I call myself an illustrator and I actually do bits of work for people, which is crazy. I just find that really overwhelmingly strange. <laughs> and so tell us, share with us some of your other really well-known sayings. So obviously we've got floppy face, floppy fanny. Um, oh, some of my well-known sayings, or some of the things that I talk about the most. Yeah, any of those. So, well, floppy face, floppy fanny. If you don't know what that means, we're talking about a relaxed face, um, which is relaxing your jaw, but not just your jaw. Talking about a whole face because lots of the times we're like frowning, we don't even realise. But that's because the jaw is connected to the pelvic floor. And this, I just find this, honestly, like it excites me. It's fascinating. I find it really fascinating because the connection between the jaw and and the pelvic floor and and that 
beautiful tailbone actually starts when you're an embryo around day 15 of um, gestation, which I just, oh, I just, I love, I get so giddy about these things. Fascinating. And obviously the ligaments from the top here all the way down to the bottom of the tailbone. So yeah, floppy face, floppy fanny. If you're, you've got floppy face during birth, especially when you're actually birthing your baby, not forcefully pushing, birthing your baby um, out, then perfect. We've got um, keep calm, floppy arm, which is on one of my flashcards. And this refers to the uterus. And I say to people, if you were to tense your arm really tight and then try and move it, it's really hard, it's achy, and you wouldn't be able to do that for a very long time. Um, it's just be a pain and it'd be tiring. I mean, it's tiring just doing it for a few minutes. So the uterus, which a lot of people don't realize, is a group of muscles. I like to think of it as one big muscle, just lots of muscles working together, vertical and horizontally. And Imagine your uterus like your arm muscle, and if we're fighting against it, it's going to have a really hard time. It's actually, I always say to people, it's going to be there going, will you just fucking relax? Just please, just give me a chance. Because, and do you know what? The contractions are one of my most exciting things that I love about birth because they're such a big deal. And actually, if you really understand how a contraction works and you then you really understand how you can work with the uterus and manage it my gosh this is the whole of your labor experience you're having these contractions so let's optimize them so yes if we are able to relax the face the shoulders and I always say the hands nice and upright and work with our uterus when we're contracting as we're rising up that contraction at that peak this is sort of the time where we want to be thinking, oh my gosh, this is the optimal time of dilation. So the more relaxed we can be at that point, at that peak, which actually not a lot of people know, but that peak of the contraction only lasts around 10 to 20 seconds. The hardest part of the contraction is only 10 to 20 seconds. That's nothing. But at that point, if we can work with the uterus and allow the uterus to relax, then that dilation is going to work wonderfully because as those muscles are pulling up and it's opening up the cervix here, you've literally, you're onto a winner. So yes, keep calm, floppy arm is a saying I use for the uterus. Um, oxytocin is something I just talk about all the time because I just, honestly, if you, I always say, this is another thing that I, I say to people, if you, if you take away anything from my classes or from my page or anything. I don't, I don't care if you don't take anything in. The one thing that you need to remember is oxytocin because without that, you're not going to be laboring. It's driving labor. So oxytocin, I always talk about oxytocin SOS. It's one of my flashcards and ways that you're able to increase and boost your oxytocin, which again, makes um, a massive difference. Kiko is another one I talk about a lot. Now, this is also um, quite a funny one because I'm actually um, becoming increasingly obsessed with biomechanics of um, the pelvis and birth. Um, and I'm increasing uh, my knowledge, enhancing my knowledge and, and doing some um, uh, courses and some 
um, more teachings on that so I can start looking at different ways that I can implement my work into other parts of, of the labour process. But I first saw um, the position and the sort of principle of it, if you like, um, some months ago on um, an Instagram page of someone showing how it works on their knees. And I thought, oh my gosh, that is just like, why does nobody know about this? I, I actually was quite gobsmacked because I thought, why, why are we having people open their legs in such a way to give birth to a baby? Like we're closing, we're closing up the pelvic outlet when we're trying to birth a baby. And I was just, I honestly was like, oh my gosh, this is, I need to talk about this. I need to talk about this. So I created the acronym, knees in, calves out, Kiko. And I created this as, as I created this acronym as, as sort of a principle, not just a one position thing. Because it is about the principle of having those knees more inwards and those calves outwards. So I talk about this and using this in many different positions. And I think some people get a little bit confused sometimes. I do get messages saying, you know, but what if I want to have, you know, what if I've got an epidural and I'm on the bed? Well, there's lots of things we can do on the bed. It's about using that creativity and, you know, using that that initiative and thinking, Right, okay, so actually to open up the pelvic outlet, I don't want my leg, I want my knees more inwards or parallel, and I need to make space for the sacrum to come outwards because, again, why the hell are we getting people to lie on their backs? <laughs> why? Why? Because that sacrum, is it needs to move out to make space for baby. So, yes, Kiko, I talk about a lot as well. But I think... A lot of the time, I really like to take information that's out there and just break it down and make it simple because it's not made simple. It's not made simple. And also, we seem to have um, antenatal classes which are full of, uh, you know, just spent a lot of the time talking about the medicalization of birth and what to expect in birth. And we are told to expect we're told to expect, you know, um, medical pain relief options. We're told to expect interventions. We're told to expect, I don't know. I, ju I just find it very bizarre because actually what we should be teaching in antenatal classes is how our hormones work, how, how our body works. Actually, how, why is no one telling, why is no one teaching? Why, why don't we have something across the NHS that actually tells you how your uterus works? Why isn't this stuff in, in sex education? I mean, I don't know. And yeah, that's my mission, really. My, my mission is to really just keep amplifying the amount of information I'm putting out there, simplifying it, working with, you know, I, I'm making connections across the birth world and, and working with others to try and get more, yeah, more messages, messages across that are going to, make a difference and I would really love I'd love to be able to make changes across how we teach our children and how you know we teach uh, pregnant people when it comes to antenatal classes whether we can touch on 
the NHS it, it is in the UK is a different a different story. But you know, just got to keep doing what what we're doing as a whole, and I'll just keep doing. I'll just keep pushing and pushing. I think your visual educator, um, sort of the look of the work that you do would really appeal to schools and to actually be able to educate children. You could provide packs that went to schools easily if you could get information into um, sex education classes in schools that would be phenomenal because like you say yeah all of the information is simplified so it makes it much easier to understand Um, I think it's hard because a lot of the information that you've just been talking about, you know, there are people out there that know it. So for me, for example, you know, I've been witnessing this kind of behavior, knees in, yes. calves out for decades, but never spoke about it, never had a platform, never had a way of getting that information. Yes. Not, yes. not really thinking it was anything special, because actually, you don't know that others don't know it if you don't talk yes. about it. So exactly, that you're bringing it out there to the pregnant women and birthing people. Yes. This is the information that they really need to see and they really need to hear. Yeah. Because then it gives them permission, if a midwife says, to push your knees wider, they can go, no, instinctively, no, exactly. that isn't what I feel like doing. Yeah. Yes. You know, pregnancy yoga and you know, teachers can teach it in their classes. Yes. And do you know what? And this is the thing. And I, I say this, I've had so many conversations with um, other birth workers and this isn't new stuff that is just happening or we're finding out or we're learning. This stuff is, it's science. It's been around for a long time. And I mean, obviously, you know, people like yourselves would have seen this, like you've said, a number of times. And my personal doula experience, I've done a lot of, uh, I've worked with a lot of um, doula clients virtually. Um, I've only been to around five actual physical births and I can't wait to, you know, to experience more of that in the future. But yeah, this is why I really love having these connections and talking to people because you have snippets of secret, not secret, but it is almost like secret information or secret tips that actually are things that you notice and you you find when you're working with people, but you just don't think anything of it because it's just uh it's just your your job, if you like. It's just your thing that you do. But actually, these, yeah, these things people don't know. It's almost like going back to basics, isn't it? Going back to basics, stripping it down, and just saying, there you go, in black and white. Yeah. So um, you know, my own passion is to educate birth partners to to doula. So because yeah. not everybody's going to hire a doula Um, not everybody's no. going to want to hire a doula or can afford to hire a doula. It's a very, you know, privileged thing to be able to um, choose that as an option for you. Yeah. So writing the book for me was important and to be able to um, educate birth partners about oxytocin in a way that actually made sense to them because you you know you talk about if you take one thing away please let it be the knowledge of what oxytocin does and what the capabilities of yeah it. and you yes know, I don't think they fully understand from attending a normal antenatal course I don't think they walk oh. out of there with the total understanding of how not enough oxytocin 
can mean a long and difficult labour. You can still have contractions, enough to produce contractions, but not enough to actually get you to the end of where you want to be. So for me, you know, working on the birth partner is important. Do you cover any elements of birth partner stuff? Yes. In my classes, I do talk about uh, birth partners. And I and do you know what's nice is that I think because the way that I teach and the visuals, when I do have the classes with, with my couples, the birth partner tends to relate to it and starts to understand. So yeah, it's something I cover and I talk a lot about and especially about the oxytocin. Like that's such a big, big, well, it's just the be all and the end all of, of, of when it comes to being the best possible birth partner. And I like to say, you know, the guardian of oxytocin, you need to be the guardian of oxytocin. The, you know, this is what you can do and explain how it works. But also with my doula work, you know, we work a lot, a lot around that, especially in this virtual world that we've been in for, you know, the last couple of years. Um, it's really such a major thing, such so important that the partners understand. And the fact that you were able to provide the information to them to sort of doula their, their you know, their partner who's giving birth is I just I love it I love it love it and that is such a niche like it's such a niche and I, I just that's so important so important like I don't know anyone I don't know anyone else that focuses on this specific subject um so yeah I love it love it love it if you could give a top tip to any birth partner what would it be oh if I could do, give a top tip to all right well it it would have to be in fact, if I was to give them a top tip, I'd give them my oxytocin SOS flashcard because that has got literally, if they're the top tip for a birth partner, they need to be thinking about the environment, the feeling, you know, what's going on around. They need to be like this, yeah, this guardian of oxytocin, you know. I know this is more than one top tip, but it's kind of all brought together. The top tip is oxytocin. It has to be oxytocin. That you know, there's hundreds of different things you can do as a birth partner when it comes to physical and emotional touch, but the be all and the end all has to be oxytocin. So thinking about the environment, thinking about what's going on around, what's happening, what is happening in that room or wherever you are at that time. If she or he or they are struggling to um, you know, progress, if something's niggling, if things aren't quite why. 99% of the time it's going to be because something in the environment or something around them is not right. Let's first look at that and correct that before we start, you know, jumping on the uh, failure to progress bullshit, which pisses me off a lot. <laughs> me too. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I'm 100% with you. For me, oxytocin is everything. And if a birth oh. partner can understand that, from the outset, from the moment that that birth begins, if somebody is aware of the power of oxytocin, they will actually get the birth right from the outset. They will understand what part they play in the production of oxytocin, which for the most part is do absolutely nothing. 
Stay yeah. out of the way. <laughs> Stay out of her eye line. Don't be in her face asking her questions. You know, those are the most. Oh God, yeah, parts. yeah, yeah. Oh, one hundred. Do you know what? I just need to say because I my um, last uh, lady she gave birth and. Uh, her partner so obviously we we uh spent time together beforehand he was just the best birth partner he did exactly that he stepped out of the way you know he was communicating with me like throughout some of the things and you know what she was so focused and he had his like oxytocin list his environment list you know (laughs) making sure that, you know, holding that space, making sure that she wasn't having any distractions from anyone else unless she specifically asked for something. And it was just, honestly, it was fantastic. It was absolutely fantastic. And I think sometimes if you don't, or most of the time, if a birth partner doesn't know about these things, they get worried. They don't know what to expect. They're there, aren't they? And they're sort of like, oh, you know, why is she doing this? Or why is she making this noise? And do you need anything? Like, do you want this? Or when actually, you know, that's, it's not going to help. But also, and I don't know whether you'll agree or not with this, but but I have some couples that are, they really like to laugh. They like to have a fun time, very jokey. And for some people, they really like to laugh and joke and chat throughout their labor. And I actually say, do you know what? That's fine that's fine if that is if you're laughing and you're joking and you're feeling good and that's how you you're managing your your labor then by all means do that because it's related to oxytocin and if you're happy and you're feeling good and you're laughing especially I I love laughing so laughing's great then you're going to be helping your oxytocin levels so by all means if that's the way that you you know, if you, if you, if you're not going into focus and you are spending most of your labor laughing, I mean, you will at some point be focusing and going within yourself. But before that point, if you are laughing, joking, that's also absolutely fine. And that's why it's important for them to understand as a birth partner, isn't it? Because if the birth partner is being guided by the laboring person, that is how they manage that. So if the laboring person is talking you don't say oh Sally Ann said you can't talk so you need to be quiet oh gosh you follow her lead if she's going inwards don't keep bringing her out with a laugh and a joke yes I always thought if you ever watch the um one born every minute programs which I know brings fire into most birth keepers bellies and they get really upset about it but watching those births it's usually the birth partner having a joke and a laugh with the midwife which is putting off the labor oh gosh that's yeah really annoying you just need to follow the woman and see what she wants you to do and if she's all yes. and laughing and joking be completely guided by her because then you can do whatever yes wants you to do yeah exactly no exactly that it's all about what works for you, what makes you feel good. If you want to, you know, if you want to listen to dance music and whatever in your labor because it makes you feel good, then it it's it's literally it's like mathematics, isn't it? It 
here you've got oxytocin. You do whatever feels good to you to make that oxytocin flow. Whatever makes you feel good. Exactly. And go with that, you know. So yeah, no, 100, 100%. And you know what? I, I know I've got your, your book and it's on my uh, list to read. I can't wait to get my teeth into it because do you know why? I feel like I'm going to be able to create so much from that, you know, and, and learn so much. And I'm really excited. I get dead excited about these things because when you're reading something new and fresh and it just, it inspires me. And I know your work is going to inspire me. So thank you for that. Thank oh, you for sending thank it you. to you. That'd be amazing. So tell us about the services that you offer. So in regards to my doula work, that is on hold for the rest of the year. I'm sorting out childcare uh, for my uh, little boy. So usually I would uh, be offering doula work which is supporting uh, people uh, couples families uh, during their birth pregnancy birth and postpartum um but for now i um i have my flashcards which they sort of link in very nicely with my page and they're available um just to take in with your labor and beforehand i have my online course which um is really down to earth i always say if you want a course which is very prim and proper, don't buy it because it's not. It's not. It is me talking and talking passionately about birth. And, you know, I'm very much about that. I don't think that things, I, I just don't think, well, me personally, I'm not uniformed. You know, I'm not going to sit there with a with a full face of makeup and a, and a dress on to to do a course. It's not me. I want to be real and I want people to feel like they are in their living room with me. So that's my online course and that's available to do in your own time, accessible for 12 months. And I have um, two classes, which is uh, just recently just changed a little bit, which is the hypnobirthing side of things, which again is probably very different to hypnobirthing other people may have experienced or classes they've gone to because I do things very scientifically and I really focus on um, how we work with the brain. So whereas I think a lot of the time hypnobirthing is very like you just say this and you do this but we don't really explain or don't really go into detail about how the brain works because once you understand how the hippocampus which is your little brain library and how we can actually work with that and change things and work with those connections then it doesn't matter you can do anything you can literally do anything so that's very focused on that side of things and also um sort of birth prep so oh another argument that seems to not an argument debate let's call it a debate that happens is planning birth planning birth some people are like, no, you shouldn't have a plan. You should just, you know, plans are not a good idea. Plans are a good idea. They're a bloody great idea. And I'll tell you for why, because you don't need to have a rigid plan of this is what I'm going to do when there's going to be flowers and rainbows and I'm going to have no medication and life's going to be beautiful. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about preparing. We're talking about you know, like you would plan a wedding, plan an interview. We want to get all this amazing information and we want to create a plan 
which is flexible, which gives us the different options. We're going to be learning. We're going to have the knowledge. And yeah, with that particular masterclass that I that I do, um, prep like a boss for your birth, um, we actually sit down and physically go through options. So as a group, we sit down and we talk to each other and, you know, we get together in groups and talk about, you know, what what options there are and what do we like and what don't we like and what works for us and what doesn't work for us. So by the end of it, you should have more of a, uh, a plan of action for your birth. And I've actually just, well, I'm just doing my first, my very first in-person retreat in September in Nottingham. Um, so we're just clarifying the date um, in September. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. It's going to be a day retreat um, at a place called Colic Hall. And yeah, it's just a day of birth and really learning about birth and like a, a nice upfront, in your face, but chilled uh, educational birth, um, birth course. So yeah, really looking forward to that. So yeah. That sounds incredible. What a wonderful thing to offer. So where can people find you? So I'm primarily on Instagram. So you can find me at The Naked Doula on Instagram. Um, And you'll also see there, there's a link tree. So that has, you know, the primary links to the things that I've been speaking about. Um, You can grab me on email. Um, I'm on Facebook. Um, also anyone that does the classes or online course become you can join the sort of members group so I jump on there and just talk about stuff and do Q&As and things like that and support um, so yes I'm also on TikTok although I never I'm terrible I wish I, I used TikTok more um, some of the videos I find really funny but I am on TikTok my real videos are on there and YouTube I'm starting you, I've put a video on there, but I am going to be delving into YouTube more and posting more videos because I really like to talk, as you can tell. So I thought maybe that's a good platform for me to voice um, uh, for some messages out there. So, yeah. That's amazing. Thank you so much. So I You're welcome. am very grateful for your time today and to for you to share those wonderful stories and um i'll see you soon yes thank you so much for having me ah thanks emma bye thank you for listening to this week's episode of the ultimate guide to being a birth partner with me sally ann beresford if you enjoyed it please leave a review and don't forget to hit subscribe if you are on instagram you will find me at The Ultimate Birth Partner. Please feel free to follow me for more ideas on supporting women through the birth of a baby. If you would like to purchase a copy of the book that accompanies this podcast, then head over to Amazon and type in Labour of Love, The Ultimate Guide to Being a Birth Partner. If you would like to work with me on a one-to-one basis, visit my website www.birthability.co.uk or email me hello at birthability.co.uk.